Hello and welcome to Hollywood RX Season 2. It continues. I am your humble host, Gregor, and with me as always is the iridescent Adam Dillon. And the doctors are in. We're starting off this season with uh, a small film, but nonetheless uh, one that makes quite an impression in a lot of ways. Ten Cloverfield Lane. A uh, story about a woman who wakes up in an underground shelter with two male companions, one of whom is <coughs> holding the other, holding the two of them, the other two captive. Um, I was liking this movie for a while, and it slowly started to unravel its magic spell for me towards the end. Okay. Really interplay of, uh, not interplay, but I liked, I liked the period of the movie where it was still possible that John Goodman has been lying this whole time and nothing's gone on up there. And, but then I felt like it became, it, it kind of went for the kitchen sink in the ending. It's like, okay, you're locked up in a bomb shelter with a guy who happens to be a serial killer, a serial killer, and there was something that wiped out people up on the top, and it was aliens. It was like... <laughs> right, right. It was like, it was like, it was like, I wish they just picked one and stuck with it. I hear you. Is that your, is that your quick take? That said, I like the performances, and it, even though I didn't... I, I felt a little gypped at the end... Um, I certainly couldn't predict where a lot of it was going and points up for that. Yes. Excellent performances. And to you, Ed. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, the performances were all very strong. John Goodman was about as creepy as you can get for, yeah. a, for a guy who has played so many, you know, uh, lovable, you know, fathers and that sort of thing. I know he's done a couple of dark things uh, here and there, but... Um, Generally speaking, when I think of him, I think of, uh, you know, a guy I would trust with my kids. Well, he was very subdued in this. He had, it was a much more intimate performance. Yeah. I mean, the nature of the movie itself, but also just in, in, in the way that he interacted with them. It was, it was, it was quickly avuncular and, That's... and he not he, you know, he was never, you, you kind of, I felt like you were waiting for him to, to, to explode with rage based on, you know, knowing him from other movies. Yeah. And that he, I believe, channeled it all to that in, uh, to that moment where she almost opens the door. Yeah. I mean, Made he, that a really, really powerful, impactful moment. He kept his performance really cleanly on simmer the whole time. And so at any point, it could have just gone volcanic. Um and yes, I like the other two. I'm not as familiar with uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as I am with, gosh, I'm going blank on the name of the guy, um, Gallagher, John Gallagher. No, yeah, Josh Gallagher. He's new to me, Gallagher. I have seen him. He was, um, what was he in? He was in the newsroom. Which was an HBO oh, thing, yeah. which you wouldn't necessarily have seen, but uh, which was the brainchild of Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. And, and, uh, 
and Gallagher was also in, John Gallagher was also in a terrific uh, sort of a miniseries that was on HBO called Olive Kitteridge, um, hmm. which featured um, Francis McDormand, who was fantastic in it. Um, it's based on a book, and she plays a thoroughly unlikable woman, but she's so like committed to what she's doing that you just can't take your eyes off her. And Richard Jenkins played her husband in that, um, and he was also terrific. I mean, I think he's terrific in just about everything he does. I'm a really big fan of Richard Jenkins. And apparently uh, John Gallagher was in that as well. I think he played their son. So I had seen him in a couple things. But he was unrecognizable in that beard, and I didn't know who he... It didn't connect for me while I was watching him. Um, which is also kind of cool. I sort of like not knowing that I know an actor um, when I'm seeing it. Yes, um, I do too. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I... <clears throat> gosh... She had a small role in uh, Death Proof. Quentin oh. Tino's uh, half of the Grindhouse. Right. Um, and I can't... God, I'm blanking out on what I saw her in before that because when I saw her in that, I was like, oh, man, what a waste. <laughs> uh, they, 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 she, she didn't do enough. Right. Well, I know um, I had seen her in Kill the Messenger, but I don't remember her from it. And she was also in something else. Oh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which she played Mary Todd Lincoln. So I'm guessing she was in it a fair amount, but I have no real recollection of her. Oh, and Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yes, that was the other. I was going to mention that. That's another thing. Yeah. Saw her and she was very good in that. Yeah. So she's um, uh, she's been in a, in a good number of things. She was also in something called Sky High that I saw with my kids when they were younger about a superhero high school. And she was uh, one of the many students there, so she kind of blended in a little bit. But um, so she, she she did some film I remember reading about where she plays an alcoholic, like a party girl who's trying to get sober. Apparently, it was this this fantastic performance at whatever festival I guess it was screened at. But I don't think it got really wide distribution if it came out theatrically at all. And I'm blanking on the title. Okay. Um, okay. It wasn't as spectacular now, was it? No, I don't think so. Okay. It had... Oh, well, she was in something called Smashed. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that might be it. <laughs> One would think if there was something about alcoholics. Uh, yeah, well, alcohol, it, that's it. it. Smashed. Um, with yes. with, so, Aaron, with it, Aaron Paul and Nick Offerman. kind of interested in in her and where her career might be going. And uh, I hope this, this really leads to other things. You know what, we should, we, you and I should just make a little thing to go find Smash, because it's got a fantastic cast. Does it? Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Aaron Paul, Nick Offerman, Megan Mullally, who I love, <laughs> Mary Kay Place, Brie Turner. Uh, it just Mary Kay Place, whom I love. Yes. Uh, it's that's a really solid Octavia Spencer. That's a great cast. So um, when was that made? What's the what's the official year on that? What's the year? Yeah, twenty twelve. Mm. Smashed, okay. smashed. And I remember seeing a trailer for a film she was in called I think Alex of Venice or something. Yeah, yep. she was also in that. Oh. Yeah, that was also a lead for her, but I didn't 
see that either on the field. So she's she's clearly got uh, uh, quite a bit of experience under the belt too. Although, what is it? John Goodman has 144 credits on IMDb. It's insane how much stuff that guy's done, and, and he's worked with our beloved uh, our beloved Cohen brothers uh, numerous times. And uh, he's fantastic. I think the first time he worked with them was Raising Arizona. He's fantastic in that. Yep. Um, in fact, that's probably the only movie that I actually like Nick Cage in. The only movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you did not... Well, to finish so, my... <laughs> so, wait, so saying that, so you didn't, uh, you didn't care for Adaptation? You didn't care for the Oh, I did see Adaptation. I just started out there. No, no, I understand. Uh, that is close. Uh, that is a maybe a close second, but um, uh, far and away for me is uh, is raising Arizona for at least for him. I remember now where I saw uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, before Grindhouse. Um, she was in. Uh, she was in Factory Girl. And I, oh, I remember correctly. She wasn't. I don't think she was there for very long. But Final Destination Three. Was where, <laughs> that's the one where I discovered her. Oh boy, I would not have pegged you for a Final Destination enthusiast, but you made it all uh, the way to three. No, it was like no, it was like one of those like oh, it was like on, you know, just sort of. It was just sort of on, but it had some really fucked up. Uh, if I'm remembering the right one, it's a, it had this really, really gruesome car crash sequence. Oh yeah, in the uh, in the opening. Well, it, it's as I remember, I think that's the one that it's centered around. But uh, no, that's not the one she was in. <laughs> no, I think she's no. That's the one with the roller coaster. That's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, you know, like, if, if, if people get really twisted in ways to... I don't know. I like how... It, it seems to me, like, with the Final Destination movies, like, they got more and more ridiculous with yes. each installment. You know, these, these, these Rube Goldberg contraptions that... Right. Or, you know, choreographies of accidents that would... Uh, Right, they had to up body count. Just, it just really, I don't know. It's funny to me. They had to up the ante every time, while mm. probably lowering the budget. Um, that is good. So, I mean, I my my quick take cut kind of uh, sideline there, but it's my own fault talking about John Goodman. Um, I had a lot of the same sort of feelings and kind of problems that you did. That we can we can break in down those a little more specifically now. But uh, generally speaking, I was left wishing that it that it wasn't the movie it could have been. Yeah. I think it had a lot of really promising things that didn't quite gel for me. Yep. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's basically my feeling, too. All right, good night. Um, no, I'm talking... Um, <laughs> no, you, you really hit on some of it, uh, uh, which was this this thing that the third act... I just didn't really need. Um, I didn't need for it to take this this dog leg turn, and become about aliens. Yeah. Um, I understand, sort of from a business point of view, tying it into the Cloverfield world. However, um, sort of 
like distant the distant tie-in it is it takes it does not take place in the same time period it takes place nine eight or nine years later it's a it's a present day movie even though she's using an older cell phone they intended to be a present day movie so that's not the same invasion it's a subsequent invasion are you, is that is that your take on it? Or that is, is that, that, that is not stats? my take. That is straight from the mouth of the uh, the director. Hmm. So um, there is, according to him, a connection, but it's not something he was at liberty to discuss. Huh. Being very coy, so it makes me wonder if uh, JJ is going to like if he's plotting to do like a series of. Films all based around well, you you have a vision. couple of different uh, possibilities. One is that this was the first of what might be a trilogy or an ongoing story, where she then goes to wherever, whatever the city is, and becomes more involved as a resistance fighter uh, against the alien invasion. Or it could be that they're just going to do sort of almost like um, like Twilight Zone type installments that all take place in a Cloverfield universe but that don't necessarily all tie back to the same moment in time. Hmm. But my guess is, based on that ending, that they're just going to be looking to make Cloverfield Houston or whatever it is. Whatever that city is that she goes off to. Yeah. Um, so I was left a little bit cold by that. I thought it was all extremely well done. It was all super slick and well put together. I didn't have a problem with it execution-wise. I just had a problem with its existence as an act. What? What? Well, I, I, I wanted to see her get out. I mean, I think. Yes. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm not arguing that. In making me very curious, what actually did happen up there, and is it really doom or is it just not real? And. It kind of, yeah, it kind of... Yeah. Well, I'm going to back up a little bit um, and just say that a couple of things uh, bothered me going in. And one thing that I felt, at least for me as a viewer, it very much hurt my enjoyment of the movie that I knew it was part of the Cloverfield universe. Because that robs a significant amount of is he telling the truth or not telling the truth? Juice. It sucks it away. That's true. It does. Because I'm like, there's no point in this being Cloverfield unless there's some kind of real monster. So, I mean, there's some kind of alien monster. And so if that's the universe, then it's just we're waiting for whatever that is to show itself. I'm not wrestling with is he evil or is he telling the truth, which was a delicious place to be if I didn't have this other fucking thing in my head. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the, the, the standee in my local theater with the, you know, I, you may or may not have seen it where you see the house on the top and the, the L in, in Clover, Cloverfield Lane or what, some letter in the, in the title uh, drops down like a mine shaft and then you see this little bunker down below. Yeah, and it says monsters come in all forms. So, before I ever walked in, I knew, oh, I see. This is going to be about how probably John Goodman is this horrible creature of a human, and he is in and of himself a monster. 
So even the pleasure of discovering that is robbed from me by the by the standee, and I couldn't avoid the effing standee. It's standing, it's standeeing right next to me. So they 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 designed it that way. Yeah. So I feel like they they in a one-two punch they took out most of what could have been fun for me, uh, or would have been delicious fun for me. Yeah. Otherwise, and I really wish I could have seen it and not known about the the Cloverfield connection. Like walked into a screening at Sundance or whatever. Just completely blank because I have a feeling I would have flat out loved it. Except, including the aliens. Yes, because part of my problem was waiting for them, and I felt like this is really two different movies here. But if <clears> I hadn't known going in that they were coming, I would have loved for it to be called anything else. In fact, it could be called what the original strip, script was called, which was the seller. And that when she hits that mailbox and it spins out on the ground and it says 10 Cloverfield Lane, it would have blown my mind. Because I would have then realized as a viewer that it was connected to the Cloverfield universe. And then I would have gone, that's brilliant. But when you give it all away up front, it, it kills almost all of it for me. Yeah. And it also... Um, it, it also had me prepared... In a way, like as soon as it was, you know, we saw this alien ship and now we knew that aliens were coming, I was expecting the same creature as in, or creatures as in Cloverfield. Right. And these, like, sloths didn't really, <laughs> didn't really convey a lot of fear. Um, I, I can, I can hear, I can hear that. Now, again... They have some sort of logic that uh, Dan Trachtenberg wouldn't talk about in this interview that I heard. Um, like, he wouldn't go into detail, but there is a connection, some kind of connection between the aliens well, and this thing and the alien and the other thing, but I, God only knows. As, as I see from the IMDb trivia page, which is my main source of news and information. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, in general. Uh, right down there, the last one at the bottom, it says, <clears throat> producer J.J. Abrams has stated that the studio has a plan to tie the two films as well as possible future films in the franchise. There you together. go. There you go. Well, in that same, uh, that same incredibly informative news source, you will also probably see that the original script was called The Cellar, and it had no aliens. It does not say that, actually. It had no aliens in it. It, that I was wondering about that. So what, what is the ending of the script? Uh, it didn't go into that kind of detail, like what the ending of the original script was, but I'm guessing she gets out. Uh, that there was, no, there was no invasion part of it. There was a guy saying, oh my God, you can't go out there, it's dangerous. But as far as I know, uh, you know I, I, I don't know how long you were left wondering, is it real, is it not real? But I, I, I love that idea more than what they grafting on this third act to fit it into this other thing. Yeah. I don't know. Now, there's maybe some value in this idea that she starts out as a person who's running away from a, a challenging situation, a, a relationship, and she finds herself in a much more horrifying, challenging situation, which she learns to stand up for herself and, and, and get away from. And then at the end, she has the option of running away and going and hiding or going and fighting further, and she chooses to fight more. So we do see character development in that regard, but um, 
I really would like to get a look at that original script and see just yeah, what, me too. what the shape of it was. Cause yeah, me too. I wondered if, uh, <clears throat> as it was going along, I wondered if it originally didn't have the alien or Cloverfield, the alien element or Cloverfield connection. Right, right. Um, but like I said, but I like, you know, <clears throat> the trailer I saw for it just had uh, had a song playing over shots of them getting together at the table to eat and they were kind of like weird looks exchanged you don't quite know what's going on I mean there's some kind of three this sort of triangular chemistry that's not working out and uh, and then she makes then she, she she makes the break for it and she runs upstairs and he's just screaming like no no don't open that door don't open that door and that was it and I was right. like shit this looks fucking cool yeah and um so like i said i i i liked when it flirted with the possibilities that he was lying to them and nothing went on up there absolutely um and it reminded me in a way of uh of a couple of other similar films uh of <clears throat> three characters in a very confined situation. Yeah, what? There's uh, an early Roman Polanski film called Knife, on, Knife in the Water, which uh, has a couple who picks up a hitchhiker and they go on a they go on this boat, and it's not quite clear if the intentions are honest of the hitchhiker and what effect he has on the relationship of the married couple. And it's kind of played out in real time. And it's oh, that's cool. Really, really excellent. And then the other film is uh, is Dead Calm. Oh, yeah. I was going to just say that. When you were talking about it, I thought, that reminds me of Dead Calm. Is, is that not, oh, what's the Aussie? What's her name? Uh, Nicole Kidman. Yes. And the, and the bad guy in that was somebody, too. Billy Zane. Oh, Billy Zane. The, yes. promise, the promise of early Billy Zane. <laughs> That's a great it's movie. Encapsulated in that movie, yes, yes. that is a great movie. And seeing it in the theater where it was big and it's a widescreen film, it was, uh, it uh, that was quite an experience. That I can't remember where I saw it. Over there, that's uh, those are those are good pulls. Good pulls there. Um, doubling back just to a minute to something you said in in your in your quick take in the beginning, um, <laughs> that it it really kind of strains. Uh, believability for me anyway that this because look when she stops at the gas station that is john goodman there oh yeah i mean I, we so, all realize so it now i think he, everyone's thinking it throughout the whole movie so he's stalking <laughs> her he drives her off the road he grabs her and then coincidentally aliens invade and i really feel like that's like you said in the beginning that is just too much to put into one thing. To me, that doesn't make it all the more delicious. It just makes me go, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? And, and what's worse to me is that um, when, to, you know, when he... It's one thing when he's a conspiracy theorist, but once he says, you know, or maybe the aliens... <laughs> Suddenly, he became the to me at least he became the comical uh, conspiracy theorist. Right, right. And it just takes a lot of the punch away of the end because now it's in your head. 
Yeah. Oh, and you know what? Speaking of the end and taking Punch away, I really feel like they missed a trick because John Goodman just disappears in a fire that's 100 feet away from us in a ball of flame. Yeah, that was not the most satisfying um, victim overpowers captor scenes, moments in, in film. Yeah, it, it, it did feel like a letdown. That And what she- I had been thinking was, even if you left everything else the way it was, if you have her above ground doing whatever she's trying to do, presumably deal with the aliens, and you have him getting to that access door somehow through whatever means that caught, that maybe he's burned or maybe he's scarred, but he's, right. he's on his way out. So she has two different things to worry about. And that his, say, his charging out into the open then draws the alien on him and buys her a critical second or whatever. But at least have this idea that he's not just gone. It just seems so weird after he'd been such a powerful presence. I don't, I'm not sure that that ending would have worked for me. Okay. I think that would that to me would have been like a typical. Oh, I, 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 th- I think. Yeah, I I would have rather seen her. Perhaps intentionally. Lock him in there, on the other side of the door. You know, now, they have the glass the glass and the door between them. He's trying to get out, and she won't let him out. A reverse right. of the situation of the scene before, um, and then and then have her intentionally cause the destruction of that place. You know, I, I can see an argument where you don't want her to be a murderer. It's one thing for her to kill an alien, but to consciously kill a man. But to have him just disappear the way he did, after having been such a presence throughout, just seemed very uh, yeah. soft. Yeah. A, a very soft decision. Even while you were giving her something bigger to worry about, uh, I was less frightened. I was more certain that she was going to defeat the aliens than I was that she was going to overcome him. He was a scarier opponent to me than they were. Hmm. Because yeah, he, definitely. Because he can exist. Definitely. We're yeah. never going to get invaded by aliens like that, but we've got, uh, you know, plenty of fucked up creeps. Yeah, crazy uh, people roaming like, around who are yeah. you know collecting teenage girls and uh, and <clears throat> killing them. And you know, I have to tell you also that uh, the scene where he he confesses to her that he ran her off the road, you know, that he accidentally ran her off the road. Yeah. Um, you know the way he plays that. It's I mean, you kind of buy it. Like, if you're not thinking that she's one in a chain, I mean, the way he plays that off, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not obvious. Right. He's just lying. No, he doesn't, he doesn't. You you almost kind of earnestly believe it. He walks a very beautiful line in that movie. And that, the scene where they're playing the guessing game or whatever it is, um, or the dinner scene, there's a lot of those sort of communal scenes with them that are absolutely uh, crackling. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's so many small bits here that are really incredibly sharp, but I feel that as they start to add together, it just comes off in another direction. Uh, it just sort of spins out. Um, oh, there was something you said that made me think of something else. Uh, I don't remember. 
Um, so, Dan Trachtenberg is the director. This is his feature debut. I feel like he must have had a lot of people working very closely with him. But it's an incredible bow, I think. Uh, he certainly is extremely competent. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that we'll get like, I don't necessarily feel at this point like there'll be like, he's got such a signature to him, like some directors right out of the gate. Uh, you know, a Tarantino is an example or whoever, where you auto or, uh, you know, oh, there's a bunch of them, but it doesn't matter where you yeah. automatically go. Hey, that guy, that's a, that's a so-and-so film. I don't right. think he's necessarily there. He just might fit into the Hollywood machinery really well. Um, right. And uh, writing credits go to Josh Campbell and Matthew Stuckin. I'm guessing they wrote The Cellar. And then uh, somebody else was brought in, I believe, Damien uh, Chazelle. Do you know that name? I do not. Well, I'll tell you what. This guy he wrote. today. This guy wrote and directed. A little something called Whiplash. Shut the front door. Yep. And that is a fantastic, fantastic movie. <clears> so, <throat> so I sort of have a feeling that anything that's really good about this, he, he did. That's terrible of me to say. But uh, I just have a great deal of respect for uh, Whiplash specifically. Um, Julie noted. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see who else I wanted to mention or talk about. I don't know. I lost. I lost track of myself a little. Um. I will say. Uh, what do you have? Uh, any closing remarks on this? Um. <laughs> no, except I would be. I would be very curious to see deleted scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's one of these films, actually, where I wish, uh, I wish I could see the work print, where every oh. scene is just a little looser and can and That's you know, a, and just have all that and just soak in that right that, that tense <laughs> atmosphere of the beginning, the first third that's a really cool idea um yeah i I, you know what if they made another one i'd be interested in seeing it probably uh i almost imagine it would be the second this 10 cloverfield lane would be to its sequel the way alien was to aliens and I think that is not the first time you have used that analogy (laughs) in the show my friend i certainly have mentioned those two films before um, so I'll stop saying that, but um, I will. Uh, I'll be. I'll be more clever in the future. I do have sort of like a. What's that? What is that called on the radio where they play the uh, the the warning Music? buzzer? No, no. Oh, the, uh, the the emergency broadcast system. Emergency broadcast system. Thank you. I should have. I'll, I'll go find the sound effect and lay it in here. Um, I'm going to give myself a little pause so I can start it. Ladies and gentlemen, Luke Bassan has a new film coming out. It's called Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. It's based on a comic book uh, that is popular in Europe, I suppose. And it's a story that he's been wanting to tell since he was a teenager. 
And all of those ingredients together mean that it's going to be an effing train wreck as far as I'm concerned. Uh, well, Mark, we'll my see, words. But, <laughs> but, you know, the whole reason there's the, the alarm sounded in the first place is because uh, if it's anything like what that winning formula produced before, the fifth element... Well, yes. It's going to be a fun ride. Well, I'll tell you what. He's not the only director. There have been, there have been several uh, uh, well-known uh, directors who have had their, their like pet project that they kept for years and years, and then they finally sure. were able to make it. And invariably, sure. it's horrible. Invariably, it's horrible. So uh, you can bring can up... Can you name another one besides the fifth element that you know of? Say that again? Can you name another one besides the fifth element? Um, nothing comes to mind. I'll do some research for next time. Do you have anything in mind to to uh, to um, sh prove that I'm wrong? For some reason, I feel like no. toys. I feel like toys might have been something that Ooh. that was a long gestating thing. Ooh. I also think something called uh, Star Wars uh, Episode One: The Phantom Menace was something that was stewing in its juices for about 20 years uh, and then finally came out and was ho horrific. Well, that's not the same as a childhood. <laughs> I know, I know, but still. Uh, I, I don't think that there is necessarily, not like, I don't think film oh, actually, ideas uh, mature as well as wines do. I think I can point to an example oh, of a yes? childhood dream that became in a, a good, if not excellent, movie. Tell me. E.T. Huh. Whose childhood... It's wrong, but I believe that was something... That, that was a story he had conceived of when he was a little boy, still making Super 8 films. Okay. I could be wrong. That... I, for some reason, I'm also thinking Close Encounters falls in that category, too. Maybe, uh, maybe not. I will, I, I will yeah, take both I of those... I'll take both of those under advisement, and I will make a slight change to my proclamation, which is writer-directors. Aha. Um, because then there's, like, less... There are less filters to help that get cleaned up. Um, but in any case, we don't need to harp on my uh, silliness there. Um, but I will tell you one last little thing that connects all the dots. John Goodman is a voice... In Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Well. So we come full circle. I suppose we do. <laughs> you know, you know as, soon as, we, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to go online. I'm going to find out that that was like, you know, Melissa Matheson's original idea. <laughs> right. To him. And, you know, she'll fucking hate me when I go out there. Well, believe me, I, I will race to find out whether or not I was wrong. But um, <clears throat> listen, I wanted to give a shout out. I didn't check this with you before we started. So I, I want to check it with you now. And if you tell me no, then I won't go on and we'll just cut this out. But I wanted to give a shout out to two different um, uh, movie related podcasts. Um, much like we use IMDb as a reference, I use some podcasts as a reference, not that I steal from them. Uh, do you have any objection to me talking about the competition? Like, we're a competition for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is funny. 
Uh, you're, we're going to have to leave it in now just for that. Okay, well, there uh, you go. So, uh, the competition, uh, I would say let's not make a habit out of it, okay, young man? Oh, sure, sure. I just, one of the only reasons I do it is because I was listening to one of these podcasts and they were touting other uh, film related podcasts. And I thought, you know what? I should give a shout out where it's due. So I'll do it this one time, oh, okay. and then I'll leave well, it. No, no, if that's no, 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 if that's if that's uh, if that is uh, considered, uh, you know, if, if that's protocol. Uh, okay. Well, here's here, here's world, the thing. Then, then yes, shout away. <laughs> After this uh, buildup, it may be something of a a letdown. These shows are in and of themselves nothing like what we're doing. So you're getting a whole other kind of a flavor from them. One of them is called Film Spotting. It's out of Chicago. I believe, and has a couple of hosts. Yeah. Um, guys who write for the papers there, whatever. They've had some different hosts over the years. And I don't listen regularly. But it's a, it's a more of a... Um, you and I, what we do is a casual conversation style. And this is much more of like a radio style approach, what they do. Um, but they're very good at what they do, and they cover a lot of ground and have a lot of fun in their episodes. And I do recommend giving those a listen, particularly if they're talking about a film that uh, you like. And uh, the other one I wanted to mention, those come out every week, by the way. The other one I wanted to mention is something yeah, called... Yeah, they have their act together. <laughs> is, uh, well, they have a staff and everything else. Uh, Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith. Um, and it's basically... Most of the time it's him interviewing someone, but occasionally he'll uh, just pull an interview that he was given permission to use. And he specifically talks to writers almost exclusively. Mm. And so, for example, but in the case of, uh, of 10 Cloverfield Lane, he was talking to Dan Trachtenberg. And so that's where I, I got some of that stuff from. Oh, okay. was the conversation between them. And there it's usually somewhere between 30, 45 minutes, something like that. It's a it's a manageable size and he does do a bunch of commercials for his own little endeavor that he has. I tend to skip through them at this point. But um but uh that's really worth a listen particularly if you if you've seen the film they're talking about. It is spoiler filled. They break it down. You know, what was this scene? What did you do there? How did you do this? You know, so on and so forth. So um it, they really break it apart. Um, and again, it's more of an interview style, not quite what we're doing here. So I don't think anything's uh, canceling anything else out. With that. Before we go, we thought we would do a follow-up visit on the Oscars and see how we fared in our original, original essays. He's already laughing. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't, I, I, I have a transcription of it all here. But I wasn't doing any kind of account as I was going, uh, so I'm I'm somewhat um, uh, oddly enough I'm I'm as ignorant as you are about the outcome here. So we I, I only did the top ones. We did a tiebreaker. I don't think there's going to be a tie. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a clear winner. So I didn't actually bother to get that. So hopefully it'll well, all just we be did live with our audience. How's exactly, that? exactly. Um, so. Uh, supporting actress. Do you remember who you said? Do I remember who I said, he asks. Um, yes, I do. Okay. We both said the same one. We both said Alicia Vikander. And according to the results I found online, she actually did win. Uh, does that jive with you? Yes, it does. Okay. I have I to say. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. no. 
Nothing. All right. No, what I was going to say is that uh, we had it. We were traveling. Uh, we were uh, flying that day, my wife and I. And so we uh, had it set to record and uh, had neglected to do the, the thing where you add extra time for a live event. Oh. So I, I watched about two-thirds of this year's Oscars. Um, I'm going to pause before we do the next one. We're tied right now to ask you if you can even recall at this point. This is like the oldest news uh, in history because that uh, stuff goes pretty quickly. What did you think of um, Chris Rock as the host? I liked him very much. Um, yes, I did he too. He did not disappoint in my opinion, except for the, uh, the accountant's joke. I don't think went over well, and clearly the Stacy Dash moment didn't go over well. Right. But generally, I thought um, I thought he said some pretty ballsy things. Absolutely, I was fine with everything he did in his opening, even though he did some edgy kind of uh, jokes. I thought all those were fine. It, in the larger sense, I think they could have done with less of the uh, comedy based on race. Skits. Yes. Yeah. And, well, even with the skits, I don't care. Whatever, but. Um, you know, if we know the joke is that black people are different than white people and or that there aren't enough black faces in the Oscars than um, uh, at least to this year or whatever in general, um, that joke is done once you've done it once or twice or whatever, you know. Um, so, but I think most verbal references thereafter are pretty clever. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Even if gratuitous, they were at least... <laughs> I'd like to... Like too much... Uh, Cleverity, or whatever that. I'd like to see him back. Okay, best supporting actor from our little uh, uh, pool. Um, we had. Uh, I came down very strong on Tom Hardy. I thought there was no way whatsoever he was not going to get that. And you, uh, uh, one of your, uh, what I, I was, you were sliced alone. I was. I had my, my I dug in on that one. I was very <laughs> upset. I was very upset. I made. I, as upset as Sly. <laughs> right. Well, I thought one of your, your dark horses there, but I was uh, very impressed by it. In the end, of course, it went to Mark Rylance, and neither of us got it right. No. Uh, so we're still tied. Excellent. Uh, going into original screenplay, um, I was uh, a championing spotlight, but I had straight out of Compton as my sort of second choice if I was forced. And then you uh, came right in with uh, Spotlight and uh, Straight Out of Compton as your sort of either-or. And I kind of forced you to pick one or the other, and you were free to take either one you wanted, I think. You went for Straight Out of Compton. Uh, in the end, it was Spotlight. So I do end up getting that, but in some ways I feel like we both kind of got it. But in any case, um, Straight Out of Compton did, uh, did not take... You want to give me a half point? Fine. If I win my half point... <laughs> okay, half, half point. You got to... Well, in this case, it would be, yeah, a full point for me and a half point for you. Putting us at one and a half to two and a half. Uh, then we move into adapted screenplay. Where I went, Brooklyn, all the way. I just was so charmed by that movie. And you, of course, made the smart decision and said the big short. Because that was a really well-adapted script. And I'm a dope for not having said that, because in the end it won. It is now two and a half to two and a half. We got a horse race. Anyway. Uh, uh, okay, so having done those few at two and a half, two and a half, uh, do you have a moment for you that stands out from the uh, Oscar telecast that you can recall or would like to share? I, I think I will actually forever associate Kendrick Lamar. Um, 
Oh, wait, that was the Grammys. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my favorite moment from the Oscar broadcast yes, was on yeah. the Grammys. Uh, <laughs> it was... It was I'm sorry, say again? Nothing. All um, right. <laughs> um, anything really particularly stick out? No, I wish Chris Rock had worn black. <laughs> okay, all right. But um, I'm not a fan of white suits in general. It's okay, got too much okay. of a um, uh, on Fantasy Island vibe for me. I just feel like it never works on someone. I did have a moment that stood out for me quite a bit. Which oh, was... I'm sorry. Yes, of, of, Adam, did you have a moment? Is there a moment that for you? <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, I will tell you. It was uh, Louis C.K. introducing a documentary. Yes. I thought yes. what he said was so brilliant. Yes, it was. It was awesome. Fantastic. If, if if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, go find it on Google. Whatever. It was genius, and I loved it. Uh, and it was also, you know, fairly edgy as he he is himself, without actually coming right out and being offensive even remotely. Um, I just loved the idea of uh, those are the only real categories that matter, and you'll have to watch the clip to know why. But he was a highlight for me. Going back to our contest yes. and moving um, into yes, no, 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 go ahead. Okay, okay. moving into the best actor category. Um, even though I am not a, I, I'm not a. DiCaprio supporter in the larger sense. I think he's had a lot of things where I didn't quite believe him. I believed him so much in uh, in The Revenant that I voted for him, and you went with Eddie Redmayne, which I thought was another uh, dark horse of yours. I was very impressed with that guess that you were you were making Eddie out to be a, he was going to be a back to back winner. Well, I you know for some reason I I. I somehow gathered that there was some kind of like little behind the scenes kind of backlash against Leo. Oh, okay. Uh, like there has been like, or, you know, currently is for Ridley Scott and Christopher Nolan, you know, and I just thought, Oh, he's never going to win again. All right. And, uh, so yeah, well, I thought Redmayne, cause I just thought that of the remaining choices that that was the most, performance-ish that the Academy tends to favor. Right, right. But uh, just to be clear, you did not see The Danish Girl. No. Okay. I <laughs> just wanted to make sure. No, uh, I, no I, I, just did, I just did the Gregor analytics on why <laughs> jokes. Perfectly valid. Perfectly why, valid. Why I made my choice. In this case, it was DiCaprio, whose speech I did not hear, but I understand there was a little plea for the Native Americans uh, or the Native whatever of whatever country you're in. Uh, in any case, it was DiCaprio. We're now three and a half to two and a half my favor. I don't know that I will hold that lead for long. We move on to Best Actress, where um, uh, I have to say, even before we do, before we do that, I had to go back through and listen to the to the um, to the Oscar podcast uh, because, like a dope, at least for me, I never made notes of what we said in terms of who was going to win and who wasn't. So I had to go back through and get those, and I had the. I'm going to say pleasure of listening to that podcast. I will also want to apologize to all our listeners because there was a big detour there when we talked about uh, the um, uh, homogeny, as you so eloquently put it, in the, um, in the Oscars. Uh, 
and there was about a 40-minute diatribe that I went on with uh, some interjection from you. I'm sure you were uh, baffled and frightened by me, but uh, as I am of myself sometimes. But in the course of that, you came up with my new favorite pronunciation for the young actress who I love so much is going to be uh, Schwarice Sh- Sh- Ronan. Oh, uh, so Arush Ronan was my choice for best actress. I think I was just, I just liked her and I hadn't really seen the other performances. Um, and you went very strong on Brie Larson, another performance you hadn't seen. Have you seen The Room since then or ever? No. <laughs> it was one of those things you're like, I'm going to see this before anyone hears us. And no, I'll tell you, no, again, I, here come the, here come the Gregory analytics. Okay. My, this is my, this is my reasoning. <clears throat> Given what that what I knew that story was about, yeah. If you think about it, y- you know, there's a there's a wider range of child actors that you could cast who would do well in that kind of a role. Yeah. Not saying that the the that the kid who's in it, I don't know his name off the top of my head because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> It's not to say that he didn't do an amazing job, because I'm sure he did. But I thought to myself, that movie's success is going to rest on whoever plays the mom. And the fact that it had gotten such um, such accolades and amazing reviews, I was like, she did it. She wow. basically elevated that movie. She that's the only, out of all of them. That's like the only one that's like new, like. Holy cow! Like she carried the movie in a really major way, and gotcha. the new kind of way, given that story. Uh, I got you. That uh, and and right, you were uh, bringing our running total to um, three and a half to three and a half. We're getting down to the wire. <laughs> um, so let me move on to. Well, I guess I guess we're up to best director, mm. and I for some reason. Uh, was quite taken by uh, by George Miller's uh, Fury Road, and uh, sort of foolishly threw caution to the wind and went for him in the best director category. And uh, I was delighted to see him or his film getting some love during the course of the the cast, uh, the too. the broadcast. I think in the effects department and um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe costume or something. Yeah. And, and we have since, as a family, we, we re-watched it, and it was just fantastic on, at home on TV, much as it was in the theater. It didn't lose anything in the translation of size. In fact, if anything, we saw more details and could stop, sure. stop and enjoy things we hadn't noticed before and jump back and re-watch some really amazing stuff. So my, I, I'm really, I think this was just an incredible year for sort of people going back and, and re sort of reinventing older films, but also just some fantastic, there's just such great work. Um, you know, and now I can, now I can come up with the moments that I'm my, my takeaway moments from the broadcast. Yeah, I do. Other than, uh, Chris Rock's hosting. One of them actually was when the woman won for editing Mad Max, that woman, cause I can't remember. Her name <laughs> but, uh, I yes. felt like, in a way, it sort of was like an Oscar for the whole series. It was just... Right. And, and, and I thought also, much like Louis C.K., her, her speech acknowledged the, the working process and what goes on in crafting something of this caliber. And it was very honest and, and potent. 
And the other one was, uh, for me, I was very glad to see Ennio Morricone winning the best original score for Hateful Eight. Oh, yes, since, absolutely. Absolutely. Since he has written what is now truly legendary music, but never won an Oscar before. Yes. Now, as long as you've mentioned that, I would like to point out that when they bring a guy up to translate for the guy who doesn't speak English, he speaks only Italian, and they bring up a guy with him, probably somebody very close to him in some way, the guy's accent was so thick I could barely understand anything he said. Yeah, I thought that too. I, I thought, thought that too. I thought, I thought, yes, the whole point of the translator was someone who translates into English. That was the first <laughs> thing I thought when he came out and spoke. I was like, you know, Ennio's broken English. Probably going to be better. Now, when you were um, when you were referencing um, the the Mad Max, uh, I, I just quickly jumped in to try to find who it was, the woman whose name you didn't know. What was the category? Was it? Uh, I'm sorry, that was that was editing. Editing. Okay, straight out editing. Let me just because I'd like to do her a solid and not just go by, not just be complete. You know. Oh, well, thank you. On, on on behalf of my acknowledgement of her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, was it? No, that's costume design. I mean, they actually they actually pulled quite a few. Film editing. Her name was. Uh, I'm probably going to mess it up, but it looks like uh, Margaret Sixel. Yeah. Anyway, so kudos to her and. Uh, and two. Let me see. They did one, two, three, four, five, six. They won six Oscars. It, I mean, if if anything swept, it was them. They just didn't sweep the categories that anyone cares about. Um, so let me let me jump back and just say, so yes, I was all geared up on George Miller, and you were geared up on uh, Lenny Abramson. I think is the gentleman's name. Oh, for room. For room, and uh, did, both of us were flat out wrong. Yeah, my, my, my logic again was because I thought if the movie succeeded, it's because he must have opened it up in a way that was really engaging. Right. And, yeah. uh, so that put us at three and a half to three and a half going into Best Picture, which is the last category. And does neither of us well, I think. Uh, which neither of us got. I went Revenant and... Um, oh, I'm sorry. Jumping back to Best Director, uh, Revenant won... And, yes, and that's uh, he's he now won back to back, which is terrific. I didn't think it would happen. I, I wish I'd gone Revenant there instead of George Miller, frankly, um, because I was I'm all about the guy whose name I can't pronounce, Inuritu, something like that. Anyway, um, so last category, I went hard on the Revenant, and you went hard on Big Short. I think both of those are valid, uh, but apparently not valid enough as Spotlight took the win. I have seen Spotlight since I think since we talked about all of this. And, I've added uh, it to my queue since we've talked about it. Uh, you have seen what? I've added it to my queue. Oh, <laughs> excellent. All right, so we are in fact tied three and a half, three and a half. We do need the tiebreaker. I think what we did was... Uh, my Cody gets for best original score. Say that again? My, my, I predicted Ennio Morricone for best original score. Oh, did you? Is that what we went with, was score? All right. If then. we were officially tallying up all that stuff too, then yes, I, I believe I got a couple of the. I may have gotten the documentary feature, which I said would be Son of Saul. It was. Um, <laughs> what else? 
I almost feel we, we probably didn't talk about original song. No, I thought we just did one other category, and I don't think it was score because I wouldn't have had a I wouldn't have had any difference. It I'll, I'll go back and look it up and we'll just reveal it next time, um, yeah. because. Anyway, got that half point. I felt guilty about taking before. <laughs> I still think. Yes. I, I think by a nose, I'm I'm I'm, I'm ahead on this. You by think what? by a nose you're what behind? No, ahead. I'm ahead. Busy. Okay. Uh, well, I think it was damn close in any case, uh, and so I'm willing to call it a tie if you're willing to leave it alone right here. But oh, if you, absolutely. If you, okay, then we'll do it that way, and we'll look forward to uh, to another another one next year where we will make a, a better effort to have seen the films and not just have to go with sort of analytics and so on and so forth. But yes, uh, although uh, analytics may still come into it, but at least I will. Uh, I will come from a more uh, a more uh, enlightened perspective. And actually, what I think we should do... Yes? I think these three and a half points that we each have should go in the pot for next year's tally. That's fine. We'll... Uh, we'll uh, that's fine. Make that sounds for let next year break the tie. Uh, okay, so that's our Oscar wrap-up. We are talking about seeing Midnight Special and talking about that next time. I'm very excited. Yes. I know. I know almost nothing about it. I've been trying to limit myself from anything, um, but uh, I, I only know the sentence the, uh, synopsis on IMDb and about not even five seconds glimpse of a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. For it. I and I have. I, those two, like, just having that one sentence in my head and then seeing those five seconds. I've just, put I've just got the five seconds and a little bit of buzz I've heard, but nothing I can really, like, like ca- encapsulate. No, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I've lost the ability to speak. So uh, very much looking forward to talking about that next time, God willing. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone listening, uh, everyone for listening to uh, the first episode of our season two. Thank you for supporting us during season one. And before, and, and before we go, let's also give a little shout out to, not shout out, pitch. Uh, check out our Facebook page. Check us out online and uh, leave us some comments. Let us know you're out there. We would love to hear from you. We would also love everyone to vote if we should do an episode devoted to Lupus Song and the Fifth Element. <laughs> yes, get in there. Give well, us a. If you want to cast your vote, <laughs> find us on Facebook where we will have that posted. That is a terrific idea. Go and do that, folks. Visit us on Facebook. Give us feedback. You can give us feedback on iTunes. Uh, thanks again for listening to episode one uh, of season two. Uh, For now and until next time, the doctors are out.